You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and with Chris on the Paracast, we bring on an old friend of the show, someone who is one of those real, honest-to-goodness, expert UFO researchers. He also covers various cryptozoological phenomena. And he is none other than Stan Gordon. Of course, he became famous with the Kecksburg UFO sighting. But there's a lot going on, especially in the past year, in Pennsylvania. Stan, welcome to the show. Are we talking here about something that can be categorized as a UFO flap? Well, I wouldn't say it's a flap as such, because I do get reports of sightings year after year. I think what was significant about last year was the fact that we're seeing some of those some of, of the, like the old classic UFO cases of not just lights in the sky that we've been hearing so many things about in the last 15 years, but many of these were really detailed close-up observations of something very unusual in the sky. That's an interesting thing, too, here, that it seemed to me that a lot of the sightings you had in recent years tend not to be the close-up stuff that you had, like, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And I remember, of course, back in the 70s when people were saying, Gee, UFOs are gone, and we had a lot of stuff going on in eastern Pennsylvania at that point in time, you know, down in Chester County and all that area that I used to work in. So we're seeing that kind of sighting again with a lot of detail, close-up, and all that stuff? Well, again, even in, in the past three, four, five years, I've had some interesting, pretty detailed reports. But we seem to have an increase last year in some of these events. And, you know, a lot of people, when they talk about UFO sightings, they're visualizing these large disks and triangles and rectangular objects, triangular objects. But a lot of people are unaware of these smaller objects that I've been looking into since the 60s, of these generally spherical objects that run anywhere from a few inches to about a foot in diameter. And they're most intriguing because a lot of these cases, they're very close. I've had cases where they've entered open windows of homes and cars and moved around. I remember one fascinating case, I think it was going back in the 1980s, up uh, towards Punxsutawney, where a woman, I had interviewed her, and she had told me where one of these small spheres had entered her kitchen and was floating around. So what's her response? She grabs her broom and begins to, to strike it, and she hit it, and she said it broke into two identical spheres. They floated around the house, and they went back out the window. You know, when you talk about the spheres, I think of science fiction movies where spheres are used as some kind of device to do some kind of surveillance. Back when you heard a little bit of discussion about these cases, I'm, I'm thinking late 60s, early 70s, when there were a few things in print about them, one of the, the speculation was that these could be some type of remote probes that were transmitting data back to a larger craft. Who knows? But, of course, that's not far off from, of course, a lot of our technology today. But one case I started to tell you about it was so interesting happened July 30th of last year. And this was a beautiful afternoon, July 30th, on a major highway, Interstate 80, outside of Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. And this fellow is driving down the road, and he has his uh, windows down, the passenger side windows down. And as he's riding along, all of a sudden he notices this sphere that's about as big as a um, it's softball size, I believe. And it's about kind of a, not really luminous as such, but appears to be uh, white and translucent, solid and round. It's keeping pace with his vehicle right outside the passenger side window. And then suddenly it floats inside the cab through the open window. 
and he'd watch this thing dropping slowly to the floorboard, and it, it moved slowly around the driver along the floor, and he's watching this thing. He said, on the surface of the object, it appeared to be like crisscrossed and divided by a line about a quarter inch wide. And he said, it looked similar to a vein that was darker than the object and somewhat gray in color. And as he's watching this thing, he takes his foot off the accelerator because he's trying to concentrate more on the object. And it's moving around slowly again, proceeding up to the hump in the middle of the floorboard. Then it begins to move towards the driver's feet. And when it reaches his right foot, it suddenly stopped, reversed direction, and then it became centered on the hump, and then it departed the truck by passing through the seat, the back of the cab, and out the bed of the moving vehicle. He said it only lasts about 30 to 45 seconds, and uh, didn't notice any other anything else unusual going on in the vehicle at the time. But just a fascinating account. That that's absolutely bizarre. I've never heard of a of a sighting case like that. That's uh, what do you make of that, Stan? What do you? What do you, what do you well, make of that? You don't hear these cases very often. I did have one several years ago of something that paced a vehicle on a main road uh, in daylight, and it was like a small cigar-shaped object, only, uh, I think, about a foot in length. And that you don't hear about hardly at all. But uh, I've heard of these reports. I remember one of the early, early reports back in the 60s was on a golf course outside of Pittsburgh, and this little sphere was hovering right above these fellows who were golfing, and they were taking their, their golf clubs and swinging at this thing, and as they would swing at it, it would rise up and get out of range and come back down again, and then it finally floated off and disappeared. And uh, But I have quite a lot of these cases in my records. Is there, Stan any kind of official explanation for these things what do they say about we understand you know with a ufo they could say it's a conventional aircraft but what do you say about these little spheres well again it has been a part of the phenomena for many many years sure but it's a part of the phenomena that a lot of people out there are not even aware of and you know a lot of the alleged abductees cases uh people have talked about seeing these small globes of light in their homes and other situations uh during some of their experiences and in fact, there's many cases of small glowing spheres of light reported in conjunction with Bigfoot activity. And uh, it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the weird cases I've looked at over the years of UFOs and Bigfoot seen together. And what that's all about, of course, is something else that's very speculative, but there's something going on there at times. And interestingly, in the last year, I, I've been aware of some cases where some Bigfoot investigators out searching for evidence of Bigfoot didn't find any evidence of Bigfoot, but came across UFO encounters. So things are happening. Chris, you can ask your question now. Yeah, I was going to say that last uh, account sounds like a haunted golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of, yeah, um, one of the most famous Bigfoot uh, UFO type uh, combination reports uh, we discussed last time you were on the show. Why don't you give us a, a real quick recap over that case? It's so fascinating. Well, there, there's a lot of them. I, I'm sure you're probably referring to the, the famous case, October 25th to 73, up in Fayette County, outside of Uniontown. I should go back a little further for your listeners who are not familiar with what was taking place and what was going on. And just to give them a little background, I started on this when I was 10 years old in 1959, believe it or not. So now it's going on 54 years I've been doing this research. And in all the years I've been doing this, of the thousands of people I've interviewed and the, and the multitudes of cases I've investigated, I still have never seen a UFO or Bigfoot myself, even though I think I was probably pretty close to a Bigfoot on some of the investigations, but I never got to see it. Going back to 1969, I set up my hotline for the public report UFO sightings at that time. 
And uh, as information locally was coming out that I had established this hotline, my phone in the house was just being inundated with reports of not only UFOs, but all kind of phenomena from alleged hauntings to strange creatures to anything strange or unusual. I was getting calls, and it was far more than I could handle on my own. Now, so, in the late 60s, you were a pretty young guy. Yeah, well... Were you I'm, living at uh, home, yeah. or were you out on your own? No, I was, I was at home. So uh, you, you had parents who might have wondered, what the heck is this guy doing? Well, actually, my, my mother had passed away very young, and my father passed away back in, uh, you know, I was only probably, jeez, uh, I remember, 16, 17, I was quite young. And, uh, but anyhow, they they uh, knew of my interest, <laughs> and uh, everybody around the area, I guess, in my neighborhood knew of my interest, and uh, there was a lot of people who were fascinated by what I was doing. In high school, I was talking about these things and giving talks about it, and the kids were coming up to me. Uh, in fact, one of the, the first Bigfoot, possible Bigfoot accounts came to me from some of the kids in high school who were out parking with their girlfriends out in a uh, particular area near, outside of Blairsville, which is a cemetery area which has had a lot of history of strange happenings. Kind of, sort of, reminds you of all those classic car films, doesn't it? You have to wonder, though, why people go necking Near a cemetery. Don't you think that's going to cause a problem? Stan Gordon joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, Stan Gordon joins us, and we're talking about his ongoing research into UFOs and cryptozoological phenomena and we were emphasizing at the beginning there, before we got into this other case that you're talking about, the fact that there have been a larger number of UFO sightings in recent years, a lot of really compelling detailed cases in 2012, and a lot of reports of these tiny spheres that sometimes are seen in people's homes. And I suggested, as you basically mentioned earlier, maybe a surveillance device. I was particularly interested where he talked about the fact that someone hits it and it becomes two. So if you hit the two again, it becomes four. Let's go back to what you were talking about here near the cemetery. Okay, well, I was just going back and talking about the early days when I was in high school, and there was a uh, kind of a rural remote area, and it was an area called the Livermore Cemetery where there was a lot of alleged haunting type of accounts, and a lot of kids would go parking out there. But they would come to me with stories, the fact that they're out there parking, and out of the woods came this gorilla that would throw rocks at their cars, and they go back into the woods. And then years later, historically, that was a very active area all along that general uh, region for Bigfoot sightings. So that may have been one of the early Bigfoot sightings that we have on record. But uh, as I was me- mentioning to you, 69, I set up this hotline, and I was overcome with reports. So I decided to, to set up a research group 
And that was the first of three research groups over the years. That was the first one was called the Westmoreland County UFO Study Group. And it was my determination to try to set up a group of, of research people, scientists, engineers, technicians, people who had specialized training to evaluate these cases and respond, hopefully, while the phenomenon is ongoing and get there very quickly. And that's what I did. And with my electronics background, we set up a quite an elaborate communication center in my home, and uh, I designed a two-way radio dispatch system so we could radio dispatch some of the investigators out to the scene, and we did that in many, many cases. So by the time, well, 1970s when it was first formed, and by 1973, uh, we were lucky that we were already organized because nobody had any idea what was about to take place. And uh, the group by that time had taken on uh, some... Uh, interest to, to the public and the news media and even to the law enforcement people. And while we started out locally in the Pittsburgh area, by that time we had expanded that we were receiving reports from across the state of Pennsylvania. And interestingly, many of the calls were coming in from police departments and the news media referring cases to us to investigate. So here's this major wave in 1973. And as you fellows recall, in the fall of that year, the United States experienced this massive UFO wave that kind of peaked in the fall of 1973. Here in Pennsylvania, it started the first day of the year and continued to the end of the year with hundreds and hundreds of UFO cases. And again, as year after year goes by, even back then I, I found from being out in the field investigating that many UFO reports and other phenomena that initially look strange and unusual when you investigate them, many determine either natural or man-made in origin. But there are cases that go on year after year you cannot easily dismiss. And back during 73, a lot of those reports where large structured craft, car chases, things hovering low over the highways and fields, landing cases, just amazing reports that were coming in. So then we get into the summer of 1973 when things get much, much more intriguing. And that's when we have this massive outbreak of Bigfoot sightings across the state of Pennsylvania. It first started here in southwest PA, and then it began to spread across the state and other parts of the state, and it went on into 1974, and it was just incredible. I mean, there were multitudes of Bigfoot reports, and if you've read my Silent Invasion book, this is the book that focuses on all these events and just too much to even talk about today, but it was incredible. You know, when I started looking to Bigfoot reports back in the 60s, I came into the field open-minded that a possibility that some of these may be encounters with some type of unknown primate, which many people still believe today, and I, and I keep an open mind as to what these things might really be, because I'm convinced that the Bigfoot phenomenon is real. The question is, what are we dealing with? Many questions rose during this period of time in 73 and 74 as we're investigating these cases, because many very unusual events were taking place. As these sightings continue to occur, and many are in daylight, sometimes multiple reports on the same day from widespread areas, sometimes multiple creature reports, lots of times we get out in the field and there's some type of physical evidence at the scene, and probably the most intriguing evidence that we saw and some of the police officers saw was how the animals responded when these creatures were nearby. That's something that nobody could fabricate, and it was most common with dogs. When these creatures were at a distance, the dogs would carry on and bark and go crazy. But when these things got in the very close range of these dogs, even the most vicious dog, they were just like paralyzed. They wouldn't bark. They would shake. They would shiver. They wouldn't respond. They would hide wherever they could. And um, it was a very, very interesting thing to see. 
and horses and cattle and even indications of, of young children and babies in the home who were extremely upset when this activity was going on outside, of course, had no way of knowing what's happening. So that was very intriguing as well. But as these events are unfolding, we begin to get reports that are much stranger. And again, these are coming in from widespread areas, from individuals, mainly calling the police departments initially, who were very frightened people. And we had incidents where UFOs and Bigfoot were seen together at the same time and place. Or you'd have a UFO sighting, and within a short time later, you'd have a, a Bigfoot sighting, or vice versa. And there were lots of events that were very, very exciting. One of the first ones was September 27th, 1973, uh, north of Pittsburgh, where two uh, young women were outside in a rural area waiting for a friend. And here comes this large, hairy Bigfoot creature covered with white hair. You occasionally hear about these ones with white hair running across the field into the woods. But in one of its hands, it had a small spherical globe of luminous light. They ran and told the father of one of the girls who owned the property. He went down in the woods, and while he's down there, this object comes across the sky and projects his beam of light down into the woods. Well, we thought that was a fascinating case. But then the case you refer to was probably the case that really changed my belief structure and many of my investigators as to what we were dealing with. And this was October 25, 1973, uh, up in Fayette County. And Fayette County, you'll probably hear us mention this today on the show quite a bit, Fayette County is uh, one of the counties here in southwest PA, which borders along the Chestnut Ridge. And the Chestnut Ridge runs from Preston County, West Virginia, through Westmoreland, Fayette, and Indiana County. And that is probably one of the hottest areas in the United States for repeat year after year Bigfoot sightings and all kind of other strange phenomena, from UFOs to other cryptids, all kind of weird events. And that's been going on historically for many, many years. But um, on that particular day, it was about 10.30 that night, when I got a phone call from a state trooper from the Uniontown State Police Barracks who had just come back from investigating this incident, and he himself sounded a little shook up, and he said he thought there was a good chance that something may still be up in the pasture where this event occurred. Well, the event was this was a multiple witness UFO landing with two Bigfoot creatures in the field at the same time. So this is putting all the phenomena together, Stan Gordon, where we have the UFO sighting, we have the Bigfoot, and we have so much more. We'll continue the coverage of the older sightings, but also as we progress, I'm going to ask Stan, as will Chris, about current cases, the most fascinating of the current cases in 2012, and whether we've seen any activity yet in the early part of 2013. We have Stan Gordon joining Gene and Chris. That means you're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hey, neighbors, got a small business or a large company that needs to be online 24-7? Well, here's the little secret. To make sure your site is always online, you need world-class DNS service from Dyn. That's D-Y-N. For years, Dyn has been helping companies ranging from the scrappy young startup to the giant media moguls of the world with making sure websites are fast and always available and that your emails are getting delivered. D-Y-N. Get faster internet by using Dyn for DNS. Visit Dyn.com slash podcast 30. Fill out the contact form or start shopping right away and save 30% by using the promo code 
podcast30 at checkout. Again, visit dine.com, that's dyn.com slash podcast30. Check them out today. American gardeners and fellow patriots, make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ship same day plus all orders over $49 ship free mypatriotsupply.com is american owned by patriots like you passionate about freedom and preparedness call now 866-229-0927 that's 866-229-0927 or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at mypatriotsupply.com choose the original choose the survival seed vault at mypatriotsupply.com Lunch is ready! And it's an MRE smorgasbord at longlifefood.com. In 1983, Long Life Food Depot was one of the first to sell MRE pouches to the public, and we're still selling them almost 30 years later. Today, Long Life Food Depot has the world's most complete MRE online buffet, because MREs are all we do. Tasty varieties of chicken, beef, salmon, and pasta entrees, plus sandwiches and our easy-to-use pouches. Full moisture, long shelf life, and ready-to-eat hot or cold. We sell by the pouch or case so the choices are endless, and so are the graduated quantity discounts. The more you buy, the more you save. Call 800-601-2833 or go to longlifefood.com to join our email list for upcoming announcements like the Rollaway Food Pod. Plus, enjoy fast and free shipping. Just call 800-601-2833 or visit longlifefood.com. Emergency preparedness, emergency relief. Longlifefood.com since 1983. Sending real food to your real future. Is 2013 your year to achieve more, more vitality, more health, more well-being? Hi, this is Pastor Jenny. For 25 years, I spent my life's work teaching others how to achieve more. But in 2010, I got a lesson of my own about RNA drops. I learned that there are millions of gene switches latent in every single cell of my body that are waiting for an activator. I learned by taking RNA drops, I could begin to activate that power in my cells and achieve the more that I desire. I'd like to share what I discovered with you and send you a free 30-day supply of RNA drops valued at $50 for just the cost of shipping and handling. Go to rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call me toll-free at 888-577-3703. That's 888-577-3703. rnafreesample.com. Discover the more that's waiting for you. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast with Stan Gordon. We explore the raft of paranormal events occurring in Pennsylvania. Been a while since I've been to Pennsylvania, and therefore I'm missing out on all the good stuff. So we have a case here where we see a UFO, and we also see reports of Bigfoot. How do we connect the two? Well, here's the story. This is the general part of the story. There's a lot more that we won't even have time to get into. But about 9 o'clock that night, in a small rural farming community, there's about 15 people that observed this object. 
It's a red sphere about as big as a barn. It's about 100 feet off the ground, moving slowly down towards his pasture. The story focuses on the farmer's son. The farmer uh, owned the, the, the property. His son went out there to visit him, and his wife are riding down the farm lane. They see this object in the sky, as others do, and he moves off to a neighbor's to get a different viewpoint of, of this thing coming down. So they watch this thing. It looks like it's landing in the pasture. So he and two uh, young uh, neighbor boys decide they're going to go up to see what's going on up there. So he stops over at his dad's farm. He grabs a thirty odd six and he grabs a handful of ammunition, which includes a couple tracers. So as they're moving down towards the pasture, in the distance, dogs are going crazy. They hear like a high-pitched sound, and they hear like a baby crying, whining sound, getting louder as they get closer. As they get up towards that general area, they go up towards the pasture, they, they get out of the vehicle, and they angle the vehicle with the headlights on so they can see where they're going, because of course it's dark. And they notice that the headlights look like they're being drained of power. They had not seen that before. Of course, that's something we have heard a lot of the, the older UFO cases. And as they get up to the top of the pasture, they're all in amazement because about 250 feet away, here's this object that appears to be on the ground or, or right above it. And this thing now is not a complete sphere. It's like a hemisphere, like a half a sphere, flat bottom down, like a big white dome that's illuminating the whole area, maybe 100 feet or more in diameter. It's making this high-pitched sound. The whole area is luminous and glowing. They just can't believe what they're seeing. So they're studying this thing and they're talking among themselves, like trying to figure out what, what is this and why is it here? And then their eyes are drawn to a fence line, a barbed wire fence about 75 feet away. And along that fence, they notice these two tall figures, one behind the other, slowly moving towards them. And of course, being out in Pennsylvania, the first thought is they've got to be bare. What else could they be? Because there's a lot of hair on these things. And then you soon realize that, geez, that fence post is six feet tall. The one's got to be at least eight foot tall. The other's around seven foot tall. The biggest one's in the front. The other one's falling right behind it. And they're moving one at a time along this, the fence line. They're going post by post. And these things are very tall, covered with long, dark, matted hair. They have arms hanging down almost to the ground. They have glowing green eyes, and they're making this whining, crying sound. Well, they're moving again towards them, and the one boy starts yelling at them, shoot him, shoot him. So the guy finally fires his first shot, which is the tracer, and that tracer is going to give that instant flash of light. He fires the second round, which is the second tracer. And as he fires that second tracer, that largest of the two creatures makes his loud whining cry, reaches out as though to grab that tracer. And the moment it does that, that object in the field suddenly dis disappears and vanishes. It's, it, it's gone. There's no more sound. The glowing is all gone. It disappears. So the creatures turn around at that point, slowly start walking back towards the opposite side of the woods where they came from. And the one kid run, runs out of the field. He's so shook up. And he finally he fires some live ammo at these creatures. And the guy's been hunting for years. And he said, I remember how he told me how at least the largest of the creatures turned around with a staring right at him with those glowing green eyes and he's shooting into him. And he said he knows he hit that thing, but he said there was no apparent injury to either one. And they just kept walking away from them. So they finally ran out of there, and they got, went back to the house and told the family what happened. They took them to a neighbor's, and they called the state police. And then about 45 minutes later, when the trooper arrives, he uh, talks to the, uh, the witness, and the witness tells him about it, and the guy just says, uh, 
you know, forget about it. You're going to think I'm crazy. And a trooper said, well, we did get a report of two similar creatures last night, so we have to go investigate. So they go up in the troop car, and what I'm told is the trooper said that area where the object had been on the ground or right above it was self-luminescent and glowing, about 100 feet or more in diameter. The animals wouldn't go anywhere near it. He shined his flashlight beam into it. He could barely see the beam from the brightness. He said if he had a newspaper, he could have sat down within it and read the newspaper from the light coming off of it. So the story goes on and on. They end up leaving the area. They go back to the state police barracks. At that point, both the trooper and the witness are taken to two separate rooms and separately interviewed. And after that, I was contacted. And we got our team up there. It was already late at night, but we got our team together, checked our equipment out, got up to the area. It was early morning hours. By the time we got there, the area was no longer glowing. The radiation levels were normal. The animals still wouldn't go anywhere near it. And then the story gets stranger and stranger, and we could go on forever. But uh, that's why I cataloged that whole report in my Silence Invasion book. And very intriguing. The late Dr. Berthold Schwartz, who was a famous psychiatrist, he was in New Jersey at the time. He came up here and spent a week investigating the case and interviewing all the people involved and went away convinced that these people were all telling the truth the best of their knowledge. And it was just one of many cases that began to make us wonder exactly what we're dealing with. And, of course, after that series of events and the many years since, because I've investigated hundreds of Bigfoot cases in Pennsylvania over the years, like the skeptics, I have to ask the question, if these things are real, and I'm convinced these people are seeing these things, why don't we have more physical evidence? Why don't we have any bodies by now? It does not make any sense. And then when you look back at some of the cases that we had in 73 and the 74, and, there, and there's one fascinating case that I don't know if we ever talked about before, but I should tell you about it. It gave us the clue as to why we may not have any bodies of these creatures. Maybe you should tell our listeners again about this, because if you discuss this a year or two ago, it's not as if they're going to go back to the episode. Okay, well... There were other incidents along this line. One of the things that we found in some of the investigations, that our investigators would be out there, and we'd be following a series of footprints that just suddenly stopped and vanished. The ground conditions were suitable. There should have been more tracks. In some cases, it seemed like the tracks that suddenly came out of nowhere started and stopped. Other odd things were going on, like one man had called us and told us he had a relatively new car. He was riding down this road. All of a sudden, this big, hairy creature ran out in front of his car, and as it did, his motor began to sputter. And just a lot of weird, strange cases, which you don't hear about very often. But February 6, 1974, it's a very interesting case. I was on the scene early the next morning because... Those who are listening, if you're living at the time, you'll remember that date, that time period, because there was gas rationing going on. So I couldn't get gas the next morning. Oh, and, do I remember that. You'd have to buy gas on every other day. You get to the gas station, and I was living in a city at that time, Coatesville, Pennsylvania, where yep. they had, what, two gas stations or something. <laughs> so, you know, you had to spend three or four hours. Yeah. So not only that, the reason there was the gas strike was because we having there was a nationwide trucker strike going on. There were shootings going on. There was a lot of violence regardless across the country. So in Pennsylvania, the National Guard were patrolling with the state police. So in this case, both the National Guard and the state police responded to this incident. And again, I couldn't get up to the next morning because I had no way to get gas. So anyhow... It was very interesting, too, because the police, the state police, took the case very, very seriously. What happened was they received a report of 
an object, uh, maybe a spaceship or something, over the area and these hairy creatures in the area uh, at the same time. But here's what we find out. Here's this woman who's lived in the mountains all her life. She has a nice little cabin home deep in the mountains, and she was sitting inside watching TV, and everything is normal, and all of a sudden she hears this commotion on her porch. And she had a little pile of garbage, I think it's like pop cans or whatever, over in the corner. Something was rattling the cans. And anyhow, her thought was, well, there had been a, a pack of wild dogs that have been going through there on occasion recently. She figured these dogs were probably back. So she said to herself, I think I'll grab my shotgun and I'll fire over their heads and scare the dogs away. Before we find out what happens when she tried to scare the dogs away, doesn't sound like it was quite what she expected. And by the way, when I say this, I live in a neighborhood where we have six dogs on one side and we have five dogs on the other. And sometimes you hear them during the show, so it's fascinating. We have Stan Gordon joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to Mr. UFO at webtv.net. That's Mr. UFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker is there a less expensive way to detoxify your body? Yes, microplant powder from hempusa.org frees your body of toxins from vaccinations, pharmaceutical residues, heavy metals, parasites, and toxic chemicals in your food and water for around $10 a month. Microplant powder removes virus, fungus, and bacteria while cleaning and purifying the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. It unclogs arteries and softens heart valves. Plus, microplant powder can be taken with any liquid, any pharmaceutical, 
at any time. It's truly the easiest and most cost-effective way to clean and detoxify your body for around $10 a month. Microplant powder from HempUSA.org. It really works. And for persistent health issues, try our Matrix Bio Powder together with Microplant Powder for a deeper cellular cleaning. Call 888-910-4367. That's 888-910-4367. And see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you at HempUSA.org. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even if I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, Stan Gordon talking about paranormal events in Pennsylvania. And once we get past the older cases, I want to push him towards the newer cases, but let's talk about this one. So she takes out her shotgun to scare away the dogs that are bothering her but it wasn't quite what she expected. So she loads the one chamber of her shotgun. She walks over to the wall to turn on the switch that turns the light out, turns the light on the porch. So she switches on the light. She opens up the door. She walks outside. There's no dogs there. Right in front of her, a few feet away, there's this huge hairy creature with its arms straight up over its head. I remember many times doing interviews with her. She, this woman never, ever mentioned the term Bigfoot. She said it was a great big hairy ape. And so she sees this huge animal in front of her, and what does she do? She aims her shotgun at it, and she fires right into it. She said there was this bright flash of light, like a strobe on a camera. She said that's the best way to explain it, and it disappeared right in front of her. So anyhow, her, her in-laws lived 100 feet away. And, they, of course, they hear the gunshot, and they call her on the phone and ask her what happened, and she's explaining it to them. The son-in-law decides he's going to go up to see what's going on. So he grabs his forty-five, his pistol, and he begins to make his way up towards her cabin. And he, and he described being surrounded by four or five hairy people with eyes like coals of fire. And he starts shooting at them and runs into the house. And at the same time, here's this large object with different colored lights on it. It's like a big Christmas ornament hovering over the woods at the same time. They call the state police. And as I mentioned, during that period, the state police and some National Guardsmen came up to that scene that night. I got there early the next morning and uh, got to interview the family, the people involved. Uh, we met with an animal protector officer from that county, and we were searching the area for other evidence. And we were out in the middle of the woods. And we found right in line with the porch, we found that BB pattern in a tree out in the woods. Very interesting case. I, I talked to the, the primary um, state trooper who was the main investigating officer, and he said, I don't know what was going on out there, but he said something really weird was going on. 
because he said, I'd never seen anything like this before, because these people had lots of animals, of uh, domestic uh, farm animals, horses and cattle, and uh, cats in the house, and, lot, and lots of dogs. And he said it was just unbelievable. He said when he got on the scene, he said in particular, it was very, you could see it with the dogs. He said these dogs would not respond at all. He said they wouldn't bark, they wouldn't move. He said they were just like completely frightened, paralyzed. He said one of those dogs, and I, I think it was an Eskimo Spitz, I can't be positive, but it was a big dog, was in a cage, and he tried to pull that dog out. And that dog wouldn't move. I mean, it should have ripped his arm off, and that dog would not respond whatsoever. That now, dog was morning, a pretty smart creature, wasn't it? <laughs> and the next morning, they're all back to normal. Everything's normal when I got there. That's an interesting, interesting case. And that wasn't the only case we had of people shooting these things and allegedly disappearing. And we had one case where uh, up in the area where there have been other sightings by different people, this thing at times people reported that they couldn't see the entire body. Only parts of the torso at times would be visible. So just a lot of weird stuff was going on. And, I, and again, I have to stress, most UFO incidents have nothing to do with Bigfoot, and most Bigfoot encounters have nothing to do with UFOs. However, there is a small percentage of cases that are well-documented that seem to show some kind of relationship. What, if there's any direct relationship, I don't know. I don't have the answers. But I can tell you, and you fellows know this, for years and years and years, there's been discussion about these topics. I started writing about this back in the 70s after these events. You're seeing more and more discussion about this more recent years because there seems to be more open-mindedness now, especially from the Bigfoot community, asking more and more questions like myself, like, why don't we have any bodies? And could there be more to the subject now than we realized before, which is what I've been saying for years. You know, I want to um, just mention one thing here, which I'm noticing. You have been active with these organizations since the 60s. Do you find it difficult at all or more difficult today to get people to help you with investigations, particularly scientists and police officers? Because it sounds like back in the 60s and 70s, it was no problem. You were able to get people to help you without going through red tape. I can tell you, even back in those days, I mean, back in those days is when we really had the high amounts of ridicule publicly. It's not as bad today because of all the TV shows and all the coverage and more and more people are more open-minded and more interested. But I can tell you, you know, uh, back in the uh, 60s and 70s, Dr. Hynek used to talk about the Invisible College. And, and basically what he was referring to is that there were a lot of people in the scientific community that were looking into these phenomena, but they were doing it anonymously because of their positions. Well, I can tell you, in my early research groups, I had many of the top people from Gulf Research, Westinghouse, Alcoa, from universities and colleges in Pennsylvania, and a lot of these, I'd say, most of the people working with me did it anonymously because of their positions. Now, I, I don't have my research groups anymore. Of course, I was doing that from the 70s to, to 1993. I was basically operating two groups out of my own pocket, plus working full-time and having a family, and this just got too much. So I've been working as an independent researcher since 1993, and I still take calls from the public and get a lot of emails and reports come here constantly. So I don't have my groups anymore. However, I still do have access to various research people who, again, uh, have, are working with me, and many of these people work with me for years, and uh, so we do it, but a lot of them do it anonymously. But I, it doesn't look today like you had the scientific interest nationwide 
that you did back in, in the 60s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. I'm going to ask uh, you a hard question here, Stan, real hard question. You've been doing this since the 50s, very heavily involved, and the 60s through today. You're still very active in research, even though you're doing it as an independent person. What have we learned through all those decades about UFOs and about Bigfoot and about any of the other phenomena that you've explored? What progress have we made? Well, I have learned as an independent researcher, and what I've learned being involved in so many aspects of, of cryptozoology and UFOs is that the phenomena is much, much more complex than most people have any idea of. I think the more I know about it, maybe the less we know, and that sounds funny. We know a lot about the subject in general, but the more we look at it and the more cases we look at it and look at different aspects of it, I think the more it indicates that we're dealing with something that is extremely interesting, extremely unusual, and there's a lot of things out there that science does not have an explanation for. Well, which are the specific aspects that take it into a higher level of strangeness than just E.T. and some missing link? Well, my feeling is when you're dealing with the UFO phenomenon, let's talk about that first, that there is no easy one origin for the unexplained category of the UFO phenomena. That's my own feeling, that we're dealing with more than one source. And it, it's very complex. I think there's a small percentage of cases could, that could very well be extraterrestrial. I mean, do I, I, from the people I've talked to over the years and different sources and people I've discussed this with, I think it's very good possibility that our government does have in their possession some crashed vehicles and probably some actual bodies. And you look at other cases over the years of many people I've interviewed, people who uh, have seen objects that uh, suddenly appear and disappear, that they physically change one form into another, incidents that seem to suggest that maybe in certain cases, certain people have certain abilities, they're able to perceive certain phenomena that others can't. Uh, I've had cases where there's been, let's say, a group of people, and only a few people in that group could describe and see the object when the other people couldn't see, couldn't see it, for example. Now, that's one thing and, we've talked about occasionally on the PowerCast, and I want to ask you more about why you think the government has the crash UFOs and ET on ice. But that is, why on Earth would something that supposedly is real and physical be visible to some people, but not to others. Yeah, and I think, again, I started doing studies many years ago, and unfortunately, with no funding, with huge amounts of reports come in constantly over the years, basically, you know, doing this as a full-time job, but it wasn't, because I had a full-time job, and paying for all this research out of my own pocket with all these groups and all the people involved over the years, I was limited to what I could do in certain areas, but as I was looking to some of the early alleged abduction cases and looking to other cases, we're, as we're interviewing people and we're being very careful with interviews and not leading people, not putting any suggestions in people's minds, so you have to be really careful how you did the interviews and ask questions. But you began to find that um, some interesting things began to show up. You know, in some cases I began to find, and I don't have enough data and never had enough data because we didn't have time to get into it to see what percentages and, you know, how big of an area this was. But when you start interviewing certain people who had these experiences, some with UFOs, some with Bigfoot, and sometimes you began to find that some of these people and their families had a long history of not only UFO experiences but other paranormal experiences, encounters with strange creatures throughout their lives. So many of the alleged abduction 
people who were involved with some of the abduction claims, most of their events started when they were very young children. Got a break at that point. We'll get to our next segment. We have Stan Gordon joining Gene and Chris in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. You've heard about or even used colloidal silver for years. But did you know there's a silver product that is much better, faster, safer, and superior? Silver that is fundamentally distinctive, different, and the only patented silver since the original colloidal silver in 1923? Introducing Silver Protocol from Neofera. Think about this. What will you do when you can't get antibiotics? Silver Protocol should be in every grab bag. The one product you got to have when it all breaks loose. Unlike colloidal silver, use Silver Protocol preventatively or whenever infection occurs. Silver Protocol can be boiled or frozen yet is still 100% effective, has super long shelf life, and will not cause argyria or turn you blue. Order Silver Protocol at 800-213-0644. That's 800-213-0644. Or go to neofera.com spelled n-e-o-f-e-r-a.com sign up for our free educational email series at neofera.com silver protocol the ultimate immune booster welcome back to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now Here's Gene Steinberg. So, just as the interest in UFOs and other phenomena start when you're very young, you're talking, Stan Gordon, about people whose experiences started when they were young. Now, is this related to abductions or what? Well, this is where it gets sometimes it gets a little confusing because of all the things that began to come out. And again, I can't give percentages because we never were able to get into doing a really, really detailed studies. But we found this was quite fascinating back many years ago when we started looking into the backgrounds of people and things they experienced in their family and their lives. But we found that a number of the people we interviewed, a lot of their experiences started from the time they were very young. Over the course of many, many years, not only did they have alleged encounters with UFOs, but sometimes they had encounters with other types of strange creatures. And sometimes it ran into generations of you know, parents and grandchildren and children and uh, found it very, very interesting. I, I was just going to ask, do you think that there's some sort of familial or genetic component that some some types of people uh, or bloodlines I'm, even I of people know. are more pre- uh, 
again, about the subject, you know, there's so many unanswered questions, so many things we don't have the answers for. But the question is also, a lot of these people over the years claim to have had, or in some cases, after they had, especially with some certain UFO events, they claimed that they began to experience various type of psychic phenomena or type of ESP experiences, which in some cases these people claim they didn't have any of these experiences prior to that. One has to wonder, is there certain abilities that some of these people have that the phenomena is attracted to them or they're able to perceive certain things that other people don't have the abilities to do? There, there's so many unanswered questions here. Your description of groups of people and some of those people being able to perceive an, you know, something unusual or some sort of phenomenal event and other people not being able to see it. I, I've, I've, I've actually run into that as well. Do you think that some of us have a, uh, maybe a special pair of glasses on or, or some people maybe when, they, when they're faced with something so perturbing and inexplicable, maybe something shuts off in their, in their, their cognitive function and they, they just almost will themselves not to see things? Well, it, it seems like there is that possibility. And, you know, what I'm basing this on is the fact that a lot of these witnesses I kept track with for years and years after some of their initial experiences. I mean, there's some people even today I'm still in touch with from 30-some years ago. And it's just amazing the incidents have happened not only to them, but to, to their children, even grandchildren. And a lot of these kids, I mean, they didn't share these experiences with their children. They just began to tell their parents about the strange things that began to happen with them over the years. Is there some type of ESP phenomena involved here? You know, the certain, are certain people able to perceive certain phenomena? Is, does the phenomena interact with certain people because they're able to, they're more sensitive to certain phenomena going on? Again, I don't have the answers, but there, there are so many things here of interest we have to look at. Well, this is the whole thing here, which is how do you train families where they may have children who are having these experiences to get the kids to open up? Because kids these days don't really open up as much to their parents as they used to. They're too busy with Facebook and Twitter and their games. Well, I do get calls from people on occasion. I mean, I had one person... Uh, contacted me probably a few months ago, and this person has had some amazing events going back, oh, geez, probably late 60s, 70s. I've been in touch with them over the years on and off. And uh, I know this, this past year, I guess one of her children contacted her. And these events are so personal and they're so unusual that I guess a lot of these kids feel they have to share and ask questions about it. And so it's something that, you know, I've, over the years I've seen this happen with different people and different families. And sometimes these kids wait till years later before they even bring it up because they're afraid to bring it up and they want people to think they're crazy. So, but these things are out there. And uh, I think the more people that are interviewed and the, and the more you look at these subjects, the more you see there's a lot of common factors. I've got a, a quick question here, too, that I wanted to ask uh, before. It seems to me that, that the activity... Um, in Pennsylvania, uh, I mean, it's widespread. It's it's pretty much everywhere. But there do seem to be hotspot areas, as you mentioned, Chestnut Ridge, which is down on the border. What do you think makes these particular spots more prevalent? Uh, you know, people to have more sighting events, and uh, there seems to be a more more intense outbreak of these types of events that seem to be centered around particular location-specific areas. Have you given any thought to why that might be? We've tried.
tried to look into it. I mean, we looked at the geology of the areas, uh, the history of the areas, and, I mean, like for, through the Chestnut Ridge, there's an inactive earthquake fault, but nothing really going on out there. And uh, I don't know. I just, it's one of those areas. And, again, it's not one specific area. That mountain range is 100 miles long. The area is, uh, especially out in Derry Township, outside of La Trobe, right along the base of the ridge is an area where there's been so many very intriguing Bigfoot encounters over the years. Almost, almost yearly, we still get reports from those areas from different people. And uh, up there in Fayette County, a lot of weird stuff going on up in Fayette County, including last year, a dragon sighting, for a better term, happened up in that area, same area where there's been a lot of other Bigfoot activity going on. So... Uh, there's a lot of strange things going on out there. And, and Pennsylvania has always had a history. I mean, from the Native Americans, and if you go back, there are multitudes of reports from the 1800s and newspapers of strange events going on and right up to the present time. And, of course, I, I was probably one of the only people in the country that for years and years was actively investigating, taking calls from the public since 1969. So there was a place in Pennsylvania where people could invest, report a case and would be investigated for many years, and that's something most states didn't have. Excuse me, Stan, before we go on. I also need to be aware when we get towards the end of a segment, I'm going to have to break, and I'm not being rude. I just have to do what I need to ask a few questions. All right, first thing here, back to what you dropped in very quickly before. And that is dragons, a report about a dragon. I mean, I've just been holding back here because you were just going on and on. But you've got to tell us about that. We've only got a couple of minutes left for this segment, so maybe start here, and then we'll continue with our next segment. Stan? Okay. Well, among the cryptozoological creatures, and we get reports on a Pennsylvania, and there's quite a lot. We get a lot of reports that, for a better term, we call them Thunderbird sightings. And I'm sure Chris is familiar with that. We've got a lot of reports of these giant birds with massive wingspans. And some are just like huge birds, but some are described more like giant bats and other like prehistoric birds like pterodons, for example. And this one is an interesting one. I mean, the witness is very, was very credible. This was March 18th of last year up in the southern part of Fayette County, way, way up in the, the mountainous area up there. And the guy's walking his dog around 11.45 that night. He's in the front yard, and uh, all of a sudden he hears like this whooshing sound coming from overhead. So he looks up, and about 55 feet above him, here's this large creature, and he said, for a better term, he said it looked like a dragon. And he said it passed over a uh, dusk of dawn light, and he got a really good look at this thing. He said the body was about 22 feet long, and he had a wingspan that he estimated at about 18 feet wide. And the body looked shiny, with almost a reflective body with no scales. And he said the color was kind of a possible, like brown, red, or like an auburn brown. And at the tip of the wings, there appeared to be talon-like figures, about three to four in number. The arms of the wing structure appeared muscular. The wings were quite thick and not like skin. And there appeared to be a rear fin on both sides of its body, and the creature displayed an arrowhead-shaped tail. The witness saw what appeared to be two extended rear legs, and the head it had a cone shape around the head, and it stopped flat on the base of the neck. But he said the oddest part of the whole thing was, in the area around the mouth and the eyes, it was illuminated with a very ominous orange glow. And as the creature flew over the trees down the bottom of the yard, as it moved off in the distance, he heard this very deep, throaty sound, he said, similar to a foghorn on a boat. 
So that's just one of a number of really weird cases came to my attention last year. We can talk more about that. I certainly want to do that because we want to focus more on the more recent cases. And for a second, when you were talking about the Conehead, I was thinking of, oh, the Coneheads from Saturday Night Live, but we're not talking about that kind of shape and that kind of cone. But I just wanted to drop in that. We have Stan Gordon, who has been studying UFOs and other paranormal phenomena in Pennsylvania for a number of years. He's collected a wealth of strange, unusual cases, and some, of course, happened this past year. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Peter Kronschnabel from Midas Resources. As you know, federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. It will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Crunch, now at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108. What's better than Mountain House freeze-dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze-dried food. Now the freeze-dried guy introduces convenient, easy-to-store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top-selling items. Each item is sealed in a Mylar-type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25-year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at-home use. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on freeze-dried foods, and choose our 12-month, 6-month, 3-month, 1-month, or or seven-day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. 
To have a fighting chance against cold and flu bugs, get the world's best garlic extract, Allison Plus C. Fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi with Allison Plus C. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Allison Plus C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized Allison, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Allison Plus C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Allison Plus C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Allison Plus C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract. Allison Plus C. To order, call 855-ALLISON. That's 855-255-4246. Or go to allisonplus.com. Spelled A-L-L-I-C-I-N plus.com. Get Allison Plus C from Affinity Health Products. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we welcome back Stan Gordon. We're exploring all those incredible cases in and around Pennsylvania all these years. But before we go on with the more recent cases, creature sightings and everything, Stan, just very briefly, do you find in your investigation that Pennsylvania seems to attract more of this stuff than other states? I really can't say that. Again, there's been a long history of these things happening in Pennsylvania. Again, I'm probably one of the few people to really actively investigate and get reports on these events going on. So there's a place where people report to as they have for many, many years. And uh, I think a lot of people in this area of the country who are aware of what I'm doing, they're, they're more open to the possibility of discussing this with somebody because they know I'll keep their names confidential if that's what they ask for. And they just want to share the information, try to find out, like, were they the only ones that experienced this type of thing? And, and you know, talking about the Dragon Report, it's very similar to some of the sightings report, I believe, in Iowa around 2003, I believe it was, in other areas. So it's not a unique case. Now, the recent cases that you explored in 2012, what level of media coverage did they receive? Very little, uh, and mainly it's because most of the people didn't want any publicity. They didn't go to the newspapers. And I would say 99% of the cases that people report to me, uh, there's very little publicity on, except, uh, you know, I might mention on my website, there's other things that might be covered different places, but the majority of reports you won't see in the local newspapers around here, because most people don't call the newspapers about it. And besides which, how many local newspapers do they have left anymore? You'd be surprised, um, especially up in this part of the state. We still have a lot of locals. Some are dailies, some are weeklies, but there's still quite a lot of newspapers still in this general area. And I can tell you why there's not a lot of reports of individual sightings. Um, you know, over the years, I, I have had very, very good um, coverage uh, from the local newspapers who have actually been very supportive of my investigations and research. And uh, so actually, I've been very thankful over the years of the really good support that I've had generally from the media in this area. Chris? I was going to say that um, that indicates to me that these people are having real experiences. Uh, Oftentimes, the people that have some sort of need for recognition or have some sort of worthiness issues maybe in their life, they're the ones that tend to to go running to the local paper and, and touting their story. And 
And when you see people that, that are willing to divulge details of unusual experiences to someone that they know and respect as a researcher and investigator, that to me adds legitimacy to their accounts. And, you know, I've always felt that on the East Coast, there's no other state that rivals Pennsylvania in terms of the kind of data that's being that's being compiled because Stan, you're the guy there. Stan's the man. And uh, you need to have a person like a Stan Gordon in a particular area of, of your state or, or, or region of the country in order to document this stuff. A lot of these types of, of incidences undoubtedly you know, just they're blown away by the by the wisps of time because yeah. the data is not logged. And and I really, you know, out of all the investigators uh, that I've come in contact with over the years, Dan, you are the most dogged and and dedicated out of anybody out there. And I really, I, I mean that. I'm not just uh, blowing smoke at you. I, I really do admire and appreciate the quality of work that you've done. And uh, I, you know, it would be great to uh, to see a a some sort of handbook from Stan Gordon for aspiring investigators of, of do's and don'ts and rules of thumb and that sort of thing. And, and it'd be great maybe if, if, if several of us uh, got together and, and threw some ideas around about how to properly train people uh, at a distance, uh, how to become a, an effective uh, networker, researcher, and investigator. I don't know of anyone that has done the amount of field work that you've done, and I, really, I doff my hat to you, man. Well, I do appreciate that very much, and uh, like I said, it's going on 54 years. I can't hardly believe it myself. I've seen a lot of really interesting evidence out in the field over the years, and you know, talk about training, it's, there's a lot involved, because when, when I had my earlier uh, research groups, and we had a lot of these specialists in the group, we would actually do, like, training programs. I mean, we, would, we had former military intelligence people, law enforcement people, and we would learn the techniques of how to interview. We would learn how to make casts under different type of weather conditions. Uh, we would go through a lot of training. About A bunch of our guys were trained by the, the civil defense at that time as radiological monitors, and we had a lot of radiation equipment at the time. And it just took a lot of ongoing, regular uh, involvement to get people out there who were trained to deal with these type of reports. And, uh, you know, it's very unfortunate that still today there's no funding for this type of thing. And, and it looks like there's just not a lot of really detailed scientific investigation going on around the country. No, there's there's a lot of groups out there now, a lot of individual researchers, but uh, there's not that many that are really, really involved uh, in depth to go out in the field to investigate. Stan, this well, creates the impression here that maybe there would be an equal number of sightings per capita per number of people in the population, whatever, in a lot of other states if there were only people like you following up on them? Well, you know, even though I deal mainly here in Pennsylvania, I get calls here pretty much every day from across the country, uh, from people from many states who have had past incidents or even recent incidents, mainly a lot of more with UFOs and crypto phenomena, but I do get calls on those as well. But my feeling is just talking to other researchers around the country is that there's probably a lot, there's a lot of activity out there that people just don't know about. And, uh, you know, you got to remember, it was a lot different back in, in the late 60s and early 70s when I was one of the few, except for some major groups in the country, where people could find a report. We had no Internet back in those days. So today, you know, there are so many different individuals or groups around the country that people can report to. But a lot of those reports get lost because you never hear about them. One problem you have, Stan, 
is that with so many resources and the scattered nature of the Internet, you have a vast amount of information, but it's not all put together. It's just exactly. fragmented. Yeah, it's not collated and coordinated. <laughs> exactly. And that, that's a shame, but it's unfortunate. And, you know, there's no, there's no one repository, for example, for all the UFO cases that are reported. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of cases out there, and uh, it's unending. It's unending, and these reports, even the the uh, the cryptozoological cases, just just fascinating. Some of these things that are coming in, but anyhow, you know what I started. I wanted to bring up to you about all these creatures we're talking about now. And we'll be talking about more. You know, we get these reports of these giant birds and or fly, and strange flying cryptids. We get reports of black panther sightings here in Pennsylvania, which I we had a, a small outbreak of sightings here in the summer, where I interviewed various people in different areas who were within thirty some feet of these creatures in daylight and were scared to death. And of course, they're not supposed to be around here. And there's a long history of them in Pennsylvania. Um, all kind of other things, from aquatic creatures to you know the flying things to all kind of other entity reports we get. Um, here's another great report, if you want me to talk, read it to you, from April 23rd of last year. I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask you to basically hold off on that, because we're going to break for a segment in a moment. We're going to break for a little bit of business so our benefactors can help us and help the show prosper. And then we'll get back to that, because you have a lot of interesting cases, UFO and creature reports, during the last year, and you're going to refer to some of them. I also want to ask you about the April 4th case, where you had a UFO with square windows. That's got to be curious. We have Stan Gordon joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Lunch is ready! And it's an MRE smorgasbord at longlifefood.com. In 1983, Long Life Food Depot was one of the first to sell MRE pouches to the public, and we're still selling them almost 30 years later. Today, Long Life Food Depot has the world's most complete MRE online buffet, because MREs are all we do. Tasty varieties of chicken, beef, salmon, and pasta entrees, plus sandwiches and our easy-to-use pouches. Full moisture, long shelf life, and ready-to-eat hot or cold. We sell by the pouch or case 
days, so the choices are endless, and so are the graduated quantity discounts. The more you buy, the more you save. Call 800-601-2833 or go to longlifefood.com to join our email list for upcoming announcements like the Rollaway Food Pod. Plus, enjoy fast and free shipping. Just call 800-601-2833 or visit longlifefood.com. Emergency preparedness, emergency relief. Longlifefood.com since 1983. Sending real food to your real future. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. Stan Gordon joining Gene and Chris on the Paracast, and we're covering not just case histories, but how we deal with them. You were about to bring up one particular case in Pennsylvania for 2012, and I'll ask about the second case. Stan? Okay, this was uh, an interesting event happened down in Washington County. This was April 23rd, between 1230 and 1 o'clock in the morning. So here's a, a rural area. Again, m- many of these cases are in rural areas. Man hears this unusual animal sound coming from outside. He sounds like a like a growl or a screeching sound, but he had never anything like it before. And he listens for about five minutes. Then he decided he was going to awaken his wife so she could listen to it as well. And so they're both sitting there listening to this thing. The sound seemed as though it was originating from very close by, like right outside of the house, around the outside of the window somewhere. So they look out the window. And across the road, there's this little creek. And they realized there's something standing up in the middle of the creek, but they couldn't see it very well. They said it looked something like a deer, but this thing's standing up. And uh, it was dark brown. And um, it could have been larger than a deer because it looked like it may have been peering over the retaining wall. And he said when, it, when the creature turns its head, it appeared to have an elongated face, 
not as stubby as it, in the snout as a deer would be. It appeared to be more pointed in shape. But what was very unusual was this thing looked directly at them towards the window in the home. And they saw what appeared to be two big, round, amber-colored eyes that seemed to be glowing, about the size of a golf ball. And he said there, was, there wasn't any really close streetlights in the area that would give any type of reflective effect uh, that would cause anything like that to glow. So anyhow, the guy decides, I don't know what's going on, but I want to go across and see what this thing is. So he's about to ready to go outside when suddenly they watch as this thing takes one step and it takes off into the sky at a 45-degree angle. And the guy said it was unbelievable. He said the speed was insane. That's exactly what he said to me. He said, I never saw him moving so fast. This thing shot up into the sky and was gone. And he said he never saw any indication of any wings on this thing. It just rose up and was gone. And, I mean, these are very credible people. Wow. Yeah, that's just one of so many weird, weird cases that are coming in. And... In fact, I'm uh, going to be uh, next weekend down here in Cabela's in West Virginia. There's a uh, free, actually, it's a three-day event on basically cryptozoology, believe it or not, and, and unusual animals of the woods. And uh, Jeff Meldrum will be coming in to speak. I'll be speaking. Uh, Eric Altman from the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society and some others. It's open to the public. If they go to my website, StanGordon.info, under event, they can look at that. And we're going to be talking about all kind of cryptozoological events. And I do get some interesting cases from uh, nearby states like West Virginia as well. And, you know, talking about these giant bird reports, and this was not that old. I mentioned this in my one book, uh, Really Mysterious Pennsylvania. This was one of the better, for better term, Thunderbird sightings. And, you know, with Thunderbird reports, just like UFOs, when something's seen in the sky at a distance away, it's very difficult to judge any size and distance. But in a lot of the cases I have, these things were at very close range, and there were ways to get a pretty good idea what the wingspan was. And one of my favorite cases happened in the fall of 2007 outside of Clendenin, West Virginia. This is about 8 o'clock in the morning. And, again, as you, look, as you look at these reports, a lot of these are daylight reports or, again, very close range. So this man's driving down the road, two-lane rural highway, and all of a sudden he has to hit his brakes because – Right in the middle of the road, there's this huge bird that's eating some roadkill and blocking the roadway. So you have to hit his brakes hard from hitting it. I have to worry about the diet of that big bird. <laughs> well, after you hear the description, the thing must be eating a lot of, lot of roadkill out there. But he's watching this thing, and he said, it's amazing because this thing stood at least four feet tall because the head extended above the roof line of his vehicle. And uh, he got a really good look at this thing. He said the, the head was dominant but not overly proportioned to the body. The head was featherless and separated from the rest of the body by a prominent yellowish-orange collar of plumage. The body was dark brown or black feathers. And, uh, but he goes on to give a really good detailed description of this, including the eyes were dark in color. But he said what was most amazing was this massive wingspan, which easily was as wide as the two-lane road. And he said he actually went back the next day to measure it. It was 21 feet across. And he said... Um, the wings were, as he can remember, as arms of a human are attached. It had shoulders, it had very muscular upper torso, and the wings were as if they were its arms. And he said, what was really interesting is that we both startled each other at scenes. We looked at him as though it wasn't shock that it was startled that it was being seen. 
and the, the bird ran off from the cars and was going to try to fly off in a really awkward manner. It ran jumping from one foot to the other in a hopping manner while its wings were flapping to gain speed to take off. And then finally it uh, did get airborne and, and it did take off. So this guy, after a while, went to the library and began to try to find something similar. He said the closest thing he could find was a terra torn which, of course, is a prehistoric bird that should have been extinct. We hear other similar cases of this uh, even the last few years across Pennsylvania. Well, that's just very interesting how we get this kind of missing link phenomenon. But I wanted to segue to this other case because it just caught my eye, and this is in your report entitled Pennsylvania Besiege with UFO and Creature Reports During 2012. And that is during the early morning hours of April 4th, 30, 40-foot diameter metallic saucer-shaped object with square windows. Tell me more. Yeah, I, uh, that's a long report, and I should try to see if I have it. Let me go from what I can remember here. Actually, what was intriguing was just a few hours before, a report came in from down around Lancaster. I guess that's down to your old stomping grounds on that area of Pennsylvania. Of, uh, as I recall, as a husband and a wife observed this object hovering over a field, this like a disc. And they, they had a camera, and they took one picture of it. They tried to get a picture of it. It didn't come out, apparently. But there was a flash. And this thing apparently started to pursue their vehicle. And it came within 20-some feet, hovering right over top of their car. A few hours later, in a suburb of Pittsburgh, this is a populated area, Bloomfield area, Pittsburgh, about 12.15 in the morning, uh, this young fellow is leaving uh, a neighbor's house, which was close by, and he was walking over to his home, and he happened to trip on a uh, tree, uh, not a tree branch, but he tripped on something out there. Really, I think it was of a tree, as I recall. And he happened to look up, and here's this large object, about 30, 40 feet in diameter, hovering about 30 feet above the roof of his home. He said it was uh, a kind of a saucer shape with a metallic brownish-silver color. There appeared to be approximately 30, 40 feet in, feet in diameter with a row of continuous square to slightly rectangular windows encircling the entire rim. You're reading so, this from your report, right? Yeah. Okay, because I kind of like it better if you just tell us in your own words, but that's fine. Okay, so anyhow, it easier. Yeah, so it's about 30, 40 feet in diameter with continuous row of windows. There's blue and red lights on it. And um, but also uh, what he talked about was that there was like six... Um, thin-like structures extending down from the underside, and also he saw what he described as symbols or markings, like triangular symbols on the lower part of the object. Well, anyhow, he watched this thing, and it suddenly took off up into the sky, and he said that it did not just disappear or fade away in the distance, but he said it was like a swirl or like a tunnel opened in the sky and it went into it, and then that tunnel closed around it and it disappeared. And he said when the closed, there was like a large uh, patch of haze, like a glowing robin's egg blue color in the sky. So he ran inside and got his dad. He came out, and they could still see that in the sky. And I think they got another uh, neighbor, another person came out and watched it as well. And what's very interesting, as I recall, within that 24-hour period of that, the 3rd and the 4th, there were... Uh, number of other reports across the state, including other people seeing the strength, what they call like a vortex of light in the sky that was somewhat similar to what they described. All right. This is something that I'd like to ask you more about, this vortex in the sky. It's kind of like almost a dimensional portal, because I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking of some of the science fiction shows that depict this, like Primeval, a British show 
that involve creatures and people going back and forth between universes. And I guess the question I want to frame, and we'll have you answer it in the next segment, are there other cases where UFO has disappeared into something like a vortex or something like that? What kind of phenomenon is this? We have Stan Gordon joining Gene and Chris. And guess what, folks? You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. You land in Buenos Aires, then are shuttled to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa, it's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more. All more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com. The big game hunting ranch. GoldenStagSafaris.com. Radio advertising on GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is simple, affordable, and reaches millions. How do we do it? Let's break it down. First, the simple part. You tell us about your business. <laughs> then our expert radio copywriters write your copy. We hire professional voice talent. Hello there. I'm a professional announcer. And then produce your ad with just the right music and feel. <laughs> Voila. Simple. How affordable? 60-second ads on GCN are the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And that brings us to reach. Millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 700 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. That's it. A one-stop shop. Creative radio ads. Very affordable rates. Millions of potential customers and customer service that can't be beat. See our current list of satisfied advertisers at GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. Can heart and body extract help with other ailments besides heart conditions, high blood pressure, clogged arteries, or unbalanced cholesterol? It did for Karen. I've been using heart and body extract for a 
approximately two weeks. I've had an earwax buildup problem for many years, with over-the-counter stuff not working at all. I had very poor hearing due to this earwax buildup. Well, after two weeks of taking heart and body extract, my earwax buildup almost completely cleared up. Could this be the effect of better body circulation? Heart and Body Extract is an effective 100% organic nutritional supplement specially formulated to allow your body to heal itself. My hearing is almost completely back to normal. I'm amazed. Order by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for long and healthy life. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast, Stan Gordon, and I framed a question to Stan about this UFO from April 4th disappearing into a vortex. And Chris had something to add before we get Stan's answer. Yeah, Stan, it, it, it is kind of fairly reminiscent of uh, the aperture sort of opening in the sky uh, over the Sherman Ranch up in Utah that was witnessed by any number of people, including some, some scientists uh, who were studying phenomena up there, where it was almost like a camera aperture opening. Uh, craft would come in. Um, most of the time, craft were seen entering into this particular <laughs> reality, if you will. Um, but you're describing craft leaving. Uh, how many examples of this type of observation do you have in your in your database? Well, I have literally thousands and thousands and thousands of cases here in Pennsylvania, and I can tell you that's something extremely rare. That I, I just cannot think right off the top of my head. I, I know I've had some, but it's probably been years and years. It's not something that we hear about that often, I can tell you that. Um, what is kind of interesting, and again, it's not that common. Occasionally I hear it, but going back to the Chestnut Ridge, again, an area where there's a lot of everything from giant bird reports to Bigfoot sightings to UFOs and all kind of weird stuff, going back to the 60s of underground sounds and openings in the side of the mountain, allegedly, and weird stuff. I, on occasion, have had people tell me that they came across some type of swirling vortex up on top of the ridge, like an, an opening in a portal. Again, there's no way to prove these stories, but occasionally you hear about these type of things. But uh, once again, the answer is very rarely have I heard those reports that I can think of. So if it happens, we don't see it. Well, again, many cases of these things taken off at an amazing high rate of speed. They're here one second, they're gone the next. That's very common. So many people will call in with seeing something moving uh, across the sky, accelerating, and, and be gone in seconds. Uh, that's something that's very, very common. But also something else, you know, we're talking about all these cryptozoological creatures, and there's many more cases we can talk about. And whether we're talking about Bigfoot sightings or giant birds or black panthers or this glowing thing, and I'll tell you another really fascinating case of this winged uh, humanoid entity was reported north of Pittsburgh in 2011, um, another interesting report. The question is, where do these things come from and where do they go? Because in all these cases, and again, after we eliminate hoaxes, misidentifications, then you've got some of these really good cases here we still look at and wonder what people are seeing. The point is, when these things happen, they're never found. 
where do they come from and where do they go? And as with some of the Bigfoot cases we had talked about earlier, the suggestion is that we're dealing with phenomena that has a physical and a non-physical aspect to it. You know, are we dealing with something that, for better terms, interdimensional, that under certain conditions it can appear and disappear, and are there certain places in the country that the conditions are right, that these things happen more frequently? Again, so many things we don't have the answers for, but it, it sure makes you wonder. I think that's that's a very good observation. And you mentioned uh, briefly in passing flying humanoid reports, just for your own uh uh, knowledge and for our listeners, uh, there have been a, a, an outbreak of flying humanoid reports in the San Luis Valley over the past two years. Have you had uh, uh, reports of flying humanoids? And if so, uh, could you describe them? Well, let me tell you about this one case you might find quite interesting. This is uh, March 18th of 2011. This is up in Butler County, which is north of Pittsburgh. It's an area that I've been looking into cases of the 60s up there. It's an, another county with a huge, tremendous amount of history of all kind of stuff, from UFO landings to entity cases to weird stuff. And I've just been told in the last few weeks from people up in that area that there's a lot of weird activity going on in recent weeks and months under Bigfoot activity and whatever. But anyhow, March 18, 2011, early morning hours, this businessman's riding down the road between Chicor and East Brady. And he said, this was the freakiest thing he ever saw that it made the hair stand up in the back of his neck. And he's telling me how he's driving down the road. He's about a quarter mile away, and he sees something on the right side of, the, of this grassy area. And his first thought is it's got to be a deer. So he steps on the gas, turns on his high beams, get a better look, and he gets closer. And then all of a sudden he sees this huge muscular creature that was hunched down stands up. And... The headlight hits this creature, which is walking out in front of one of those big yellow reflective road signs. So he gets a great look at this thing, and it crosses the two-lane road, the three long steps, and goes on, disappears into the woods. But he said, what he told me was this, he said, I hear people saying about Bigfoot around the year, and he said, I've never seen a Bigfoot. This was not a Bigfoot, he said. This was a, a tall humanoid figure that stood at least eight foot tall and appeared to be covered in a smooth leather-like skin that was either dark tan or light brown in color. And this thing was moving uh, sideways. The thing never looked at him. He was looking at it from the left side. And he said the head appeared to be flat, and it had the shape like one of those aerodynamic helmets. The face was flat. The eyes were not defined well. He thought that the one ear he saw on the left side looked long and flat. It came up and back, was pointed backwards like a flap. And the arms were muscular, a little longer than that of a human. And now they looked more like a claw or had claws on them. And he said the one thing that really stood out was its legs were extremely muscular. And he said it was hard to explain, but the legs didn't move like that of a human. They looked more like they were bent backwards. And he said he saw what appeared to be wings on its back that were tucked into its body with the wingtips extending towards the side of its head. He only saw this thing in about seven, eight seconds. He went back the next day to look for tracks, but the ground wasn't very good. He couldn't find anything. But he said he measured the sign. It was over eight feet tall. So this thing was a little bigger, maybe eight foot, four inches tall altogether. So inter more interestingly, there's a local research group up there called the uh, Butler Organization of Research of the Unexplained. So Dan, Dan Hagman runs that group. During that same time period, he received other independent reports from different people. Now, I'm going to have to quote right from his report. They're short, uh, the statements from people, but 
right around that same time, Clepler's Corner, two witnesses driving a butler when it witnessed a dark tan, eight-foot-tall winged entity. Face appeared smashed in, muscular body, head to one to a point, arms were long, appeared to have claws or fingers, went across the road, it seemed to lope with each stride. Witness stopped the car in shock and sat there until another car came by and they moved. Witnesses wanted to take a lie detector test. Here's another one. Two witnesses left the ice cream stand, headed for Reimersburg, noticed something crossing the road, came within 35 feet of the creature, stated it was at least 9 feet tall, dark brown, long arms and broad shoulders, pointed head, flat forehead, pointed ears, would appear to be wings on its back. Body was extremely muscular. There were four finger-like claws in each hand. Eyes were squinted but swept upwards at the corners. As the creature turned, the whole body would turn. Movement of the arms were not normal. The mouth looked like a slit. Wings looked like a see-through mesh and resembled wings on a bat. The claws were black as coal. The, the witness stated this thing was straight from hell. Do you have any reports of it flying? No. But there apparently was a report of something somewhat similar several years ago uh, on a bridge in that area that flew off uh, off the side of the bridge. Then another reason. And what county is this again? What county are we talking about? That's Butler County. Butler County. Okay. Yes. I just wanted to get my bearings. That's what north of Pittsburgh you said. Correct. Okay. Wow, amazing stuff. We've had over a dozen fairly good sightings over the past two years of uh, of actual flying humanoids, including uh, the very first minute that we had the San Luis Valley camera feed up. Um, our chief tech, Andrew Palfreyman, uh, you know, fired the thing up for the first time, and he witnessed what he described as two flying humanoids flying across uh, in front of the great sand dunes. He was all the way out at extreme uh, 36 times optical zoom, and uh, it was difficult for him to estimate size, but seeing birds, you know, in the months after that, seeing birds flying around and, and seeing mundane sort of prosaic flying um, activity around there, he estimated them to be about humanoid size and, and sitting uh, in a kind of in a seated position and flying like they had jetpacks or something on their backs, almost like something out of a, I don't know, some sort of sci-fi movie or something. Obviously, they were quite a distance away from him. Uh, he figured 18 to 20 miles. But with 36 times optical zoom on top of a tower, you're able to get a, a fairly good view of these things. I would really be interested to hear of some of these um, types of humanoid creatures uh, as reported as flying. And I'm sure you're aware of some of the uh, late 90s reports from Mexico and uh, I think a couple in South America where these types of, as they would describe, witches were flying around. Why don't you uh, go ahead and, and uh, continue with some of the more recent uh, reports that you've received and, and kind of you know, make a, an effort to identify where in the state we're talking about. We'll do that in our next segment. We have Stan Gordon, UFO investigator from Pennsylvania, exploring UFOs, strange creatures, and all sorts of stuff, and I'd hate to see one of those things in my back lawn. So we're not exploring the ones that happen in the Phoenix area because... Yeah, we'll send one, Gene. You'll send me one, okay. And I'll leave very fast. You want to get rid of me? That's the way to do it. Send me a UFO or a strange creature or a Thunderbird. We have Stan Gordon joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. It's time for a home security quiz. Answer this. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $35? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. It's like a lamp on a timer, but far more convincing. And for only $34.95, fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. Go to faketv.com or call one 877 877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388. Or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. In our previous segment, I said that if we had a strange phenomenon here and we get a lot of crazy stuff in Arizona, I'd be moving to another state, a state of confusion, maybe. Stan Gordon, Chris asked you a long question. Would you respond? A case that happened of the first day of this year, 2013, down in uh, a few miles from where I'm living, down in South Greensburg, Pennsylvania, of, of all places. Okay, it's very, very close by. Uh, it's a, there's a main highway, Route 119, runs right through South Greensboro. Well, there's been a history of big bird sightings down in that area. And uh, one of the first cases we had was September 25th of 2001. And uh, here's a fellow who was outside, and he happened to hear the sound that attracted him to look up. He said it sounded like flags flapping in the thunderstorm. And uh, he loved to see this huge dark bird, blacker, dark grayish-brown in color, and it was flying right over top of the trucks and the cars about 50 to 60 feet overhead. And uh, he estimated this thing had a wingspan of 10 to 15 feet, and it was flapping across there and moved down the road and actually landed in a a tree near a big billboard. And he said it was amazed because when it... uh, came back off of those branches. He thought that whole thing was going to break from the huge weight of it. But then just a few years ago, 
in that same area. Uh, four people were having a barbecue about a quarter mile down the road. They hear this swooshing sound. They look up, and about 40 feet overhead, here's this huge dark bird with his beak straight down looking at them with huge wings flying right over top of them and making that beeline down through the woods. And then this past January 1st of this year, it's a beautiful afternoon. We had had a snowstorm a couple of days before, so these two women, a young boy, decided to take a walk through the woods to look at the beautiful scenery. It was about uh, 32 degrees at the time, and the area was covered with snow. And about 3 p.m., they're walking into the woods, and about 20, 25 feet away, the two women are, are very startled. And the boy was kind of looking in the opposite direction at the time. And they, the women both said at the same time, did you see the size of that bird? And what they were referring to, they see this what appeared to be these huge wings open up on the ground, they estimated from where they were maybe six, seven feet wide, it's an estimate, and how this creature unfolded its wings, almost rolled them out, and then flapped them once, and then folded them back up, and it moved right behind these trees. So they immediately run over to that area, which is 20, 25 feet away, they were, and the area is all open, so you can see between the trees, it's, it's not that thick. They run right over to the area where it was, it's not there. They look all over the place. There's deer tracks, but there's no bird tracks. There are no sounds. There's no flapping of wings. If it was been a big bird right there at that distance, they would have seen it taken off, which they didn't. And it's, they said it was just like it just vanished and disappeared. And uh, it's another one of those strange stories that we're not sure what to make of it. My goodness. And that area, by the way, and again, you know, you're talking a, a fairly well-populated area, I mean, the city of Greensburg is only a couple miles away. This is South Greensburg. There's a lot of people around. There's a lot of woods around there, too, though. And uh, over the last, oh, heck, eight, ten years, I've had reports from different people of, of course, not only seeing these big birds, but hearing this loud, like a swooshing, whooshing sound, like something big, like a big bird flew over top of their head, but they didn't see it. And this came from different people. And other reports of people seeing like a huge shadow of a giant bird coming down over top of their car, things along that line as well. So that's been very interesting. Also, I've had recent reports up in Indiana County, which also has a lot of history of Bigfoot activity, where a, a resident contacted me about incident happened uh, several weeks ago. And uh, it had snowed up there, of course. But... Uh, something was disturbing the animals, something was banging on the side of the house, uh, and then they found a series of, of unusual footprints, a long series of footprints that uh, went across her property. And unfortunately, she didn't have a camera that was working, wasn't able to get any pictures. And at that time, as I recall, these things were only about eight inches long, but clearly five-toed. And she was thinking to herself, like, why would anybody be walking in the snow in their bare feet? not thinking it was a Bigfoot-type thing until later on. Uh, maybe a smaller Bigfoot creature, because we've had reports of smaller ones and large ones seen here in Pennsylvania. So that's relatively recent as well. And I've had some other UFO cases being reported, uh, not that detailed from the last few weeks, still looking to some of those cases, trying to get more information on them, so we'll have more about those later. I have a really fascinating case from last year, another one of those really strange, bizarre UFO with a really weird type of creature case, something I hadn't heard of before, and something that interesting, and Nick Redford actually uh, was really interested in the report because he had a similar report years ago from England, and so he was quite interested in this particular case. 
Well, why don't you go for it? Sounds fascinating. All right, so this is back at, down in Washington County again. And again, all these stories I'm relating to, these are from different people who don't know each other. None of them have gone public, so their names haven't been used. So here's another case. This occurred, I believe it was May the 7th, around 11.10 in the evening. I got the call on it uh, early the next morning. I got a, was able to get a hold of the guy early the next morning and talk to him and do some various interviews. It was later followed up by one of my research associates, uh, Keith Bastianini, who's a uh, trained archaeologist and a graphic artist, and he went out to the scene and did some great sketches. And uh, but, but also I wanted to mention, you know, all these cases we're talking about, or most of the cases we're talking about, uh, people go to my website, StanGordon.info, and they can read over a lot of these reports and a lot of other ones as well. And also there's a lot of upcoming events that they can uh, look at as well. But anyhow, the uh, event goes on at about 11.10 that night. This fellow's in his living room, and uh, all of a sudden there's this bright white light streaming in from the window t- from his right. So he gets off the couch and goes over to the window and looking out over the parking lot area, and he found the source of light to be this large object that's hovering about 100 feet away. And the object resembles like a football. The point ends aligned vertically. They're, they're like a vertical football in the sky, but it has like two perpendicular light arrays in the middle. It's a very unusual-looking thing. And each array was about 30 feet in length, they estimated. And the array supported like seven round lights, and they remind him of baseball stadium lights. A square line grill covered each of the lights. There were three darker bands, similar to white stripes on a football that encircled the craft. And he tried to think, like, what could this thing be? And he thought, I wonder if it's some kind of, like, weather aircraft or helicopter because it just stormed in the area. And he thought maybe there was such a thing, which, of course, there isn't, at least not in this area. And anyhow, it's about 100 feet away that he didn't hear any sound. Anyhow, uh, at some point... He grabs his uh, Sony PlayStation Vita and runs outside and tries to get some video of this thing as it's moving off in the distance. And there is a very short piece of video, but not really much enough to do anything with it. But anyhow, the interesting thing is this. The next day he goes out and goes out around that area looking around where this thing has been hovering. And anyhow, he said... And as he's looking around in the area where this thing had been over that area, there's a pile of rubble of, of like concrete fragments where they've been doing some uh, work out there. And the thing had been hovering, and he sees this large slug-like creature slithering in the weeds. The thing was shiny black like a slug with no apparent eyes or appendages. It was between two and a half to three feet in length and seven to eight inches in thickness. And he watched the thing withering around in the weeds that slithered into a hole in the rubble pile. And he kept going back during the day with a camera to try to get a picture of this thing, but he never saw it again. And he just thought it was so bizarre and why it was in the area. And he somehow believed that it was somehow related to what he saw. And uh, I've had a lot of report of, of various type of UFO entities over the years, but I've never had a report anything like this. And again, uh, Nick had indicated they had a very similar report from the United Kingdom uh, a number of years before. Now, one thing to point out here is we don't seem to see a necessarily a consistency in the style of UFOs. They come in all shapes and sizes. We have different types of entities. And so I guess it's fair to suggest, and we'll go into this more in our next segment, that maybe whatever is bringing us UFOs, whatever force, source, or whatever, it has a number of possible origins. It's not just one planet, one 
parallel universe or whatever, it might be many answers, many, many answers other than the residue that's conventional. We have Stan Gordon, longtime UFO paranormal researcher, joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Floridian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at webtv.net. That's MrUFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Originally, we the people have entrusted government to be the guardians of currency to ensure purity, content, weights, and measures of gold and silver coins citizens would use for commerce. This reinstalled confidence after the demise of the fiat continental system. Wisdom being lost with time, the government we once entrusted to protect from counterfeit has colluded with private business, creating the largest fiat counterfeiting scheme our country ever experienced. This is not only a transfer of power to an institution that is not accountable to our elected government, but has also caused the dollar to lose more than 90 cents of its original value. Now foreign governments are trying to divest themselves from this once world reserve currency. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm offering a book that explains how the system works. Call me today at 800-686-2237. I will give you a silver dollar free just for purchasing the book. Call today at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker My name is Stephen Hewer. After 22 years of nutritional counseling, I've observed that most brain malfunctions have at their roots some form of toxicity and brain damage. So whether it is poor memory, poor focus, lack of creative thinking, or more serious matters like inability to focus, speak normally, or remember things, the emphasis to getting one's brain working optimally needs to be on detoxification. One World Way supports your body's number one means of detoxification, which is glutathione production. My name is Angie, and my son has suffered from borderline autism and constipation. 
constipation. I got him on One World Way, and in two months, his constipation is gone. He has become friendlier. He can carry on a normal conversation with me, and he has made his first friend. He's doing great, and he looks forward to taking One World Way every day. You could offer him a present or a cake, and he would prefer the One World Way. Go to OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y dot com. Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene and Chris, we're trying to be consistent on the Paracast, but how can we be consistent when we're talking about the strange and unknown? So, okay, the consistency and lack thereof of paranormal events, Stan Gordon, what have you to say? Well, you know, in regards to the types of craft, the shapes being reported, there there are some consistencies in some of the, the standard discs and the saucers, which you don't hear about as much as you did years ago, but you get a lot of reports of triangular objects, and rectangular objects at times, and elliptical objects, cigar-shaped objects being reported. And then you've got a variety of other type of, whether they're craft or whatever we're dealing with, uh, some other variations and different descriptions. And this was one of those oddball ones we just talked about down in Washington, PA. And you look at a lot of what we've learned about these incidents and the strangeness of some of these cases with, with UFOs and the cryptos, zoological creatures. And there's a, there's a lot of things that a lot of people have never heard about, and especially involving with the crypto creatures. And, you know, the, the Black Panther sightings, we really didn't touch much on those, but, of course, you know, when a lot of people think about Black Panthers, they think about Black Leopards or Jaguars, which here in Pennsylvania, those are not animals that are common in this area. But there has been a history of these things being seen for years and years. And, uh, I mean, there was one incident back in the 80s in the suburb of Pittsburgh in daylight where a black panther jumped across a fence, was within a few feet in daylight of an auto mechanic working on a car in the suburb of Pittsburgh, and jumped back over the fence and went into the woods, and it was seen with another smaller one. And several people saw it, and this led to a major search by the Pittsburgh police and the animal protectors with tranquilizer guns and never did find them. Nothing missing from any zoos or carnivals. And again, where do these things come from and where do they go? But what's really odd, when you start looking to some of the history of these things, that you'll, you'll quite often find, just like whether we're talking about the Skinwalker Ranch or other areas of the country, and even here in Pennsylvania, you occasionally run into situations where for a period of days or weeks or months, there are certain specific geographical locations where ongoing phenomena of different kind are active. You have different types of creatures being seen, UFO activity, other paranormal phenomena. But, for example, in, in at least one outbreak we had back in the 80s in a certain area here in southwestern PA, while different people were reporting Bigfoot activity, others in the same area were seeing black panthers. I have not had these cases, but I know there's been other reports historically from other states of people seeing black panthers and Bigfoot being seen together. I interviewed a guy several months ago who had never had reported this. It was just the right place, and he was very reluctant to tell me, and I didn't get a lot of details, but he was up in, I believe it was, uh, oh, this was going up towards Johnstown, Cambria County years ago. He was riding along the road to see this Bigfoot creature, 
and then he was really reluctant to tell me that it had another type of creature with him that had glowing eyes. <laughs> so again, you know, there may be well be more of these phenomena and, and these mysteries than we understand. I have a, a report. It's actually an eyewitness account from one of our posters at forum.theparacast.com. He's a, a new uh, addition to our forum family. His name is William J. White. And he, um, he wrote in our question bank, and he, he mentions this sighting. He says, I grew up in the Philadelphia area back in, in, back in the winter of 89. I saw something I will never forget and that he also will never be able to really fully explain. In a wooded area outside of Valley Forge, my friend and I saw a grayish-colored creature that resembled a wingless gargoyle. It did have red glowing eyes. It did walk upright, but it was hunched over. It looked like it was about five and a half to six feet tall, and it did not appear to be particularly hairy. The two of us attempted to communicate with the creature, but it did not seem to understand us. I then tried to approach it, but it ran deeper into the woods. When we looked over at the direction that the creature had run toward, we were shocked to see the outline of what appeared to be more than a dozen of these things. It was then that we got in the car and rather quickly left out of fright. My friend and I returned to this area on numerous occasions, but we've never had another sighting. Several other people that I knew at the time also frequented this area, but none of them told me anything similar. What do you make of that? Have you had uh, reports of glowing-eyed, wingless gargoyles uh, <laughs> lurching around um, in the woods? Actually, around I'm going to read to you, when we're done, a really interesting, detailed report of an incident happened. I didn't receive the information until last year, but it happened in November of 2011, so not too long ago. But the answer is, I have had reports, and I'm not the only one. Other researchers in the state have had reports of gargoyle-like flying creatures, and some were done in eastern Pennsylvania, and I believe around that time period. So if that gentleman would like to get in touch with me, he can go to my website and find the email address on there, where it's paufo at comcast.net, and I would like to get some more information on what he did see. I had this really interesting report. I've heard reports from other states of alleged werewolf-type things, and it's not that common here in Pennsylvania. But this, uh, this case is very fascinating, and it might have uh, maybe some bearing on what this gentleman uh, is calling in about. Oh, werewolves. <laughs> yeah, like well, in actually, Wisconsin, the Bray, the I, Bray I say Road, werewolf, uh, but also the one witness mentions that it'll look more like a gargoyle. William, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, why don't you give Stan, uh, uh, shoot him an email and get some details to him. Here's a question from Conrad Hartman. He's been a poster at forum.theparacast.com for about a year. And this is a good question. Uh, it's, it's one that I'm really interested to hear your answer. Early on, you mentioned that there are traditional indigenous peoples' uh, legends and myths and stories about some of the things we've been talking about. But his question is, do any of the creatures or things that you have investigated have a reference in local indigenous tribal folklore? I'm aware that some Western tribes talk about Thunderbirds, but do you know if the Shawnee or any of the once uh, natives local to Pennsylvania tribes mention them? Were there any references to Sasquatch equivalents or hairy men within the, the Pennsylvania tribal tradition and folklore? I believe, yes, there is. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of that data in front of me right now. I know Eric Altman over to Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society. He's done some historical studies on these things, and there might be something about it on his website. I'm not sure. But uh, I can tell you down in eastern Pennsylvania, this would be down towards the Lancaster area where there have been reports of smaller little Bigfoot-type things, like around five feet tall. Um, I know that some of the Native American 
uh, legends down in that area do talk about some of those sightings down in that area. There have been reports of something strange seen in some of the rivers around Pittsburgh of some kind of a large aquatic creature, which there apparently is some reference to some of the Native Americans uh, referring to that as well. So there are, there are Native American accounts in Pennsylvania, and there are others talking about Bigfoot-type uh, phenomena in the state as well. But unfortunately, I don't have that with me right now. Another question from Conrad. Do you have any thoughts about the Albat witches, sometimes associated with Chickies Rock Park in Lancaster County? Now, first of all, what is an Albat witch? And uh, second of all, have you heard of this? Stan, I got to the break here, then you can answer this. We're asking your questions from forum.theparacast.com. That's forum.theparacast.com. And sometimes it's true that we do book a guest at the last moment, so you don't have that particular opportunity. We post a thread or a topic there where you can ask your questions of our guests. And our guest this week is Stan Gordon, longtime paranormal investigator. He's been at this game for over 50 years, and he won't quit till he gets it right. But that's what we all say. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com we all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. You land in Buenos Aires, then are shuttled to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa. 
It's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more, all more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com, the big game hunting ranch, GoldenStagSafaris.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. My name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. We're trying to get it right really hard, Chris and me, on the Paracast. We'll succeed someday. But since I am older than he is, I'll have to do it real fast. Speak for yourself, Kimosabi. Mmm, tanto. There's a new Lone Ranger movie coming out this year with Johnny Depp. He just raised that specter of who knows how he's going to treat that. In any case, Stan Gordon joins us. Chris asked him a question in our last segment, and we've given him plenty of time to think of an answer. Stan? Yeah, what's an, what's an Albat witch? I believe that that's uh, what I was referring to uh, in the previous uh, question. These are some of these smaller Bigfoot-like creatures, small ones, I believe around four and a half, five feet tall, somewhere in that range, that historically have been reported down in that area. And I know there is an Indian tribe down in that area that uh, apparently has some legends about seeing these things. And there have been other, in recent years, apparently there have been some other reports down in that general area. Here's an interesting one. Um, this, the early German settlers of the 17th and 18th and 19th centuries, uh, are you aware of any references that go back that far about cryptids or UFOs within the folklore of Pennsylvania German uh, immigrants? I can tell you that there is a lot of 1,800 newspaper stories that talk about Bigfoot encounters across Pennsylvania. And I don't have any of those in front of me right now, but there there's a lot of them out there. So there's many, many accounts. And I know there's some accounts even talking about incidents up here in, in the Chestnut Ridge area. But I know those reports, as I recall, were from all over the state, including down east. And uh, so there was a, quite a lot of history in the papers going back at least to the 1800s. Here's a question from Aldo Poe. He's a um, he's been a poster here at the Paracast since September 2012. He says, "Hi, Stan. My wife is originally from Vandergrift, Pennsylvania. Have you come across any hotbeds of activity in that area?" 
Oh, yeah. There's a lot of activity around Vandergrift, uh, uh, both cryptid and UFO stuff. Years ago, we had a lot of sightings along the, uh, I believe it's the Kiski Menace River outside of Vandergrift. And I remember one case of this large UFO that reportedly hovered over the river and was sucking up the water from the river up into the craft. Also, back in the 80s, there was a lot of uh, Bigfoot, uh, Black Panther, other activity uh, near Apollo, which is real close to Vandergrift. And then more recently, we had another one of those giant bird sightings that happened just last year. Actually, this was um, out in Leechburg area, which is not far from there. And this occurred where a person was driving down the road, once again, was stopped in the middle of the road by a very large bird eating some type of roadkill. It's about 20 feet away. And watch as this thing opened its wings and flapped them and flew off and went back and measured the area, and they estimated this thing had about a 12-foot wingspan. So, yes, there, uh, there is a lot of history, and there still is, of uh, UFO activity and other cryptid reports. And there has been a lot of activity up in Armstrong County, Indiana, all around the general, even the last couple of years. I have another question from Conrad Hartman. He asks, I once saw two large, shaggy, dark-colored cats by Bake Oven Knob in Lehigh County. They certainly weren't puma-sized but perhaps bobcat-sized. Bobcats aren't really in Lehigh County that I know of, and they look different anyway. Are you familiar with accounts of long, long-tailed bobcat or wildcat sightings in the area? I'm not familiar with any black ones. If he said, did he mention black? I wasn't sure. I'm sorry. He said, yeah, two large, shaggy, yeah. dark-colored cats, but uh, he said they were bobcat-sized, but they had long tails. That's interesting. I'd like to learn more about that also. Um, but there are, there are bobcats and there are a lot of coyotes around Pennsylvania. So there are a lot of misidentifications out there, too, you know, depending on sky conditions and atmosphere and distance and lighting. A lot of things out there, just like with UFOs, look unusual, and quite often there's explanations. But I hear these stories about very large cats and unusual-looking animals, so some of these things are explainable and some of them are much more fascinating. Now, you mentioned earlier uh, stories around Pittsburgh of, of like, aquatic uh, anomalies. What other types of aquatic uh, river or lake anomalies uh, have you become uh, aware of? Pennsylvania is not a state that I personally am aware of that has uh, any sort of Nessies or Champies or these types of aquatic uh, anomalies. Uh, what have you encountered in your uh, database over the years? There's not a lot of reports, but there have been some. I, I remember when I was doing a lot of radio shows back in the 70s in Pittsburgh that people were calling in about seeing uh, this huge serpentine-like creature in one of the rivers inside of Pittsburgh. There have been reports for years off of Presque Isle, off of Erie, Pennsylvania, of people seeing some large serpentine-type creature. And actually, I interviewed a guy who had an extremely interesting sighting years ago with his family off of Presque Isle, where he said he saw in detail what appeared to be like a plesiosaur that actually was lying on right on the edge of the uh, ground there. And then it went back in the water. And he thought for a very short time as they were driving by in the distance, but got a really good look at it. And uh, there have been some other reports of something large in lakes in Pennsylvania, but again, you know, a lot of these could be misidentification of some. There's a very, very big fish in some of these lakes in Pennsylvania. But the reports go on. We just don't hear about them that often. You mentioned Presque Isle. That's always uh, intrigued me as an area that's 
that's had uh, traditional um, reports that go back into the Native American traditions, if I remember correctly. What are some of the other uh, anomalies that have been reported up up in that part of the state on Lake Erie? Oh, a lot of UFO sightings, um, and probably one of the most famous cases. Uh, let's see how my memory is. July thirty first, nineteen sixty six, I believe it was, of a of a UFO landing on Beach Six of Presque Isle that uh, is still listed in the Air Force Project Blue Book file, which of course that uh, was closed down officially in nineteen seventy. But that sighting listed as unexplained. But that involved a a large uh, object uh, that was seen by some people, and apparently this thing landed on Beach 6, and it caused a uh, response from the Air Force team to come in, and the police found uh, physical evidence of this. But as part of that story, there was a small group of people. Their vehicle was stuck in the sand, and others went to get help. And as this was going on with the UFO, some kind of tall, kind of formless, gorilla-like, Something came up in a car and scratched on it and left the area, and uh, so that you know that may be one of our first possible cases of UFOs and maybe something like a Bigfoot. I hesitate to call it a Bigfoot, but there was a report of a, of a gorilla-like figure involved in it. And that's kind of reminiscent of the case that you mentioned in your last book about the the Bigfoot uh, type creature that that clawed. I was it was it the trunk. Of, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a really intriguing case. By the way, if, if it's all right to mention, people are interested in my book, either Silent Invasion, the Pennsylvania UFO Bigfoot Casebook, which you'll find some of the strangest cases ever recorded in that book, and also Really Mysterious Pennsylvania. They can get this through Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or through my website. That case uh, was, again, up in Derry Township. That, again, is that area along the Chestnut Ridge that has had so many sightings and encounters from so many different people over the years. Even in, in the last few years, we've had reports of activity out there. And this was a very weird case. This happened March 12, 1997. And this occurred around 3 o'clock in the morning. I got the call, geez, I'm going to guess probably 4, 4.30 in the morning. It was such a fascinating case that I, of course, uh, got out there the next day to interview the people to take photographs and it was very interesting. And this involved uh, several fellows who worked during the night. And they were on this back road, dark road. And a hubcap came off one of the vehicle, off their vehicle, and they rolled across the road into this uh, field where there's a lot of old car bodies. So they pulled up the road because there wasn't a place to park around there. And one kid sat in the vehicle, and the other two guys decided to go look for the wheel cover. So they're walking around, and they hear like this metal-on-metal metal sound. Then they hear like this growling sound. Thought at first it was a dog. And uh, anyhow, they uh, hear some noise ahead, and then they shine their flashlight ahead. Instead of a dog, here's this huge white hair cover ape-like creature rising up from the ground. And they're both panicking. The one guy runs out yelling. The other guy stood there for several seconds just trying to get a good look at this thing, trying to figure out what the heck this thing was. You'll finish that in the next segment. We have Stan Gordon explaining the frightening sighting of a gorilla kind of thing or sort of creature or something like that. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. 
If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Preparedness is simple when you have the right stuff. And with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters. DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill grain mills, Excalibur food dehydrators, Tatler reusable canning lids, sun oven solar cookers, EMP bags to protect sensitive electronics, and don't be without your life straw personal water filter, all from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple with the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. Is this the year you finally get serious about your family's drinking water? If so, keep listening for a special offer from Big Berkey Water Filters. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated? Berkey Water Filters distinguish themselves from many other filtration systems with the capability to significantly reduce dangerous chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, and disinfection byproducts from municipal water via the Black Berkey and PF line of filters. Then there's affordability. At only 1.7 cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify treated and untreated water, even stagnant pond water. Stop and think how much money you could save by simply reducing buying bottled water and using water filtered by your Berkey water filter. No need to be constantly replacing expensive filters with a Berkey. A single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. Choose the best size Berkey for your needs at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And right now, all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Just call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Free shipping on every order over $50. Big Berkey Water Filters. For the love of clean water. Hi, everyone. I'm Pharmacist Ben, nutritional pharmacist and host of The Bright Side. The good news about nutrition and health. The good news that if you or someone you care about is on a prescription drug or has some kind of health challenge, there's a gentle, natural, healthy way to address most health issues without drugs and without doctors. And it's as simple as understanding how the parts of the body work and how they interact with the foods we eat and the nutrients we take in. If you've heard me on The Bright Side or at one of my presentations, you know I'm a man on a mission. A mission to help you understand health and wellness and the remarkable healing powers of the biological system called the human body. And if you like the bright side, you're going to love my new website, brightsideben.com. You'll find articles and links. You'll be able to access archives and we'll even have exclusive information that you won't hear on the radio show. And of course, you can purchase the Longevity Nutritional Supplements and even sign up to join my Longevity team and make an impact, make a difference, and maybe make some money too. Check out brightsideben.com. That's brightsideben.com or call 866 735 
2470 for more information. Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, amazing stories from Stan Gordon, UFOs and strange creatures, and this one's got to drive you back, doesn't it, Stan? Yeah, so anyhow, the the one guy, uh, like I said, he, he stays there for a few seconds, and he runs back to the vehicle, and as they're pulling away, well, the one guy realized he dropped his dad's expensive knife and also some keys at the site, but they passed by the location, and they couldn't see the creatures at that point. But anyhow, you got to remember, it's around 3 o'clock in the morning. It's a, it's a very isolated area out there. And as they're, riding, as they're leaving the scene, there's a real nice new Chevy dually wheel, Chevy dual-wheel truck coming up at a high rate of speed in the opposite direction. And they watch as this car pulls, this truck, other truck pulls off on a side road, then turns around and for whatever reason begins to follow them down the road. So they're down the road, and the Chevy truck increases its speed, and it comes right up on the rear bumper of their vehicle. They said it almost like it was trying to get their license number. Then it turns the lights out, and it backs onto a side road. So anyhow, they're still all upset about what is this thing, why these people are after us, and what was that thing we saw. So they go back to the one guy's uh, residence, wasn't too far from there, and they're talking about this. And the one guy says, you know, I need to go back, see if I can get my keys and that knife. So... He and the one other guy, they get into this, they go back in this other vehicle. And um, this vehicle was modified with a high-speed engine in it for this guy for racing he did. Anyhow, they took with them a converted automobile light that they used. It was like a high-powered spotlight. So they get down to the area where all the car bodies are, and they're shining around, and they're shining and they're hitting the car bodies, and suddenly the creature comes around some of the car bodies. And they're hitting this thing right in the face with this light, this blinding light, and you can see this thing has its hands up to its eyes, trying to shade itself from the from the light. And anyhow, this thing starts coming after them. I mean, it's moving really fast on two legs, upright, and it begins to chase the car. And instead, it got it within three feet of the car, of the rear bumper, and then it really gasped and they got out of there. So anyhow, that's not the end of the story. So anyhow, they get down back to the place and. Anyhow, the guy still didn't get his stuff. So the third guy needs to go home. He lived a little further down the road. So the guy with the, the souped-up car takes him down, drops him off, and, and his last thought is, I better make a run back there again to see if I can find my keys and the knife. So he goes down around the area. Everything's dark. Doesn't see anything at the time. He's looking around the area very slowly, happens to look down. I think it was the knife. He has a knife with the keys, and he saw them on the ground. So he opens up the door, and he grabs that. Anyhow, suddenly he feels a big thump towards the rear of the car. And he looks in the rearview mirror, and here's this big, hairy creature with the eyes are kind of glowing, kind of a reddish glow, which he said maybe he came from the, the rear uh, taillights, but he wasn't sure, looking at him right through the rear w- window. So the man's gassing the car. He's hitting the car, and, I mean, this car, the pipes are starting to vibrate so loud. And he said... He kept gassing and gassing, and suddenly the creature just let go. He said probably from the sound of this thing, of the tailpipes, and it, the car swerved, and he kind of lost control for a second, then he got it back on the road, and he ran, went down the road, and he was very, very upset, and he went to a little 24-hour convenience store, and he went in to get a cup of coffee, 
and he had his car in sight the whole time through the window and noticed this group of kids pulled up, like teenagers, in a car a lot of few down from his, and they were kind of looking at his car, and but they never touched the car. And he's walking outside, and one of the guys was admiring the car, and uh, the one guy said to him, what happened? Something along the line, like, what happened? Did you get attacked by a bear or something? And he said, what are you talking about? And he goes over to look at the trunk of the car, and there's these huge, huge scratches just torn right through the paint and metal on the rear of the vehicle, like big claw marks. So anyhow, uh, I get the call on around early in the morning from the one guy, and I make arrangements to go out and uh, take, interview him and take a look at the car. And um, I had called also one of the primary witnesses and talked to him about it. So I get down there the next day, and the one guy's not there yet, and I said, what happened to him? And the other guy was a little hesitant to talk to me, and I said, well, what's going on? I said, well, the other guy, right after you talked to him, he got a really unusual phone call, and he said it went something like this, and this is what the guy told me. And then later I did interview the guy, and he confirmed this. He said he got a phone call soon after I talked to him, and the phone call was something along the line that this is field agent so-and-so from the Federal Bureau of Investigation. About the incident last night, forget about what you saw, and I strongly suggest that you talk, don't talk any further with Stan Gordon. And then the guy hung up. The other guy... Why was, would he say that? Yeah, that was, well, <laughs> he was very upset. He didn't even want to talk to me the next day, and he finally did. They're listening yeah. to you, Stan. And uh, then the other fellow who was with him, he still lived with his parents, and apparently he got a similar message. And apparently, according to uh, what happened with his family that afternoon, two men, that actually there were two Chevy Caprices, uh, two men in each vehicle came out to talk to him. And uh, apparently about the same situation, but they, he wasn't there, and they never showed up again. Now, I have no way to confirm this was the FBI. I did write them a letter about this. I never did receive a reply on this. But um, the fellows were, were quite upset. And like the one guy says, why would I go and damage my beautiful car and put somebody, how am I going to tell my insurance company that I was attacked by a monster? I imagine that would be a very interesting <laughs> way for them to file that claim. And they come <laughs> back and they say, well, you were drinking what now? <laughs> Yeah, it's a very, very interesting case, and there's a picture of the scratch marks in the book. Yeah, which is uh, quite impressive. That's why I brought it up. Uh, well, uh, you know, that brings up the specter of the men in black. We haven't even touched on that subject. Next time you're on the uh, show, we're going to have to talk about some of the potential government, military, intelligence agency involved uh, involvement in some of these cases uh, over the years. And in I know there, there have been, obviously with the Kecksburg uh, case being the classic example early on in your career, there have been cases where it's pretty much uh, a given that the government has been involved. Um, so just quickly, what are your feelings about it? Do you think the government is uh, involved in monitoring some of these uh, hotspot areas in the state? My feeling is now, after a lot of years doing this and different events and, yes, cases of, for a better term, mystery men that apparently got involved in some of the cases I was investigating – my feeling is that the government does have an interest in both UFOs and Bigfoot phenomena. And I've, from other sources that I have, I, I believe this to be the case. My feeling is this. My feeling is that the government is very much aware of these phenomena, let's say UFOs in particular. However, 
my my understanding is, my feeling is, the government does not have all the answers themselves about what's going on. It's an international phenomenon. There's nothing they can do about it, and therefore they're just remaining quiet on the subject. And possibly denying everything, that also helps. Stan Gordon, tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you continue to work on. Well, they can reach me uh, through email or phone by way of my website, which is stangordon.info, I-N-F-O. And if they want to get copies of my books or my uh, DVD on Kecksburg, it's available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or through my website. That's one way to do it. And what are you working on in the near future? Well, I'm continually working on current reports and all reports coming in, uh, always working on various projects. So the best thing is there's many, uh, I have many speaking engagements and many events coming up this year. Uh, so people can check my website under events and news, and they can uh, keep updated on uh, what's coming up. And inevitably, he'll be back on the Paracast. We have to ask our friend Chris O'Brien, our hardworking co-host, where can they find more of your stuff that you're working on? Well, you know, we do live in a strange planet. It's OurStrangePlanet.com. Plus, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I've just uh, put up some pretty interesting uh, clips from uh, the many cattle mutilation cases that I've uh, investigated. And next time stands on, I'm going to have to talk about that particular phenomenon. But it's OurStrangePlanet.com, Gene. And by the way, we'll soon have a book ordering system over there so you can buy his books or DVDs, whatever. It's a work in progress, and these things with web development continue to take time. And later this year, this fall, Chris has a new book out called Stalking the Herd, where you're going to learn about years and years of research into mysterious cattle deaths and cattle mutilations. Of course, you can find us, The Paracast, on Facebook. We are The Paracast on Facebook. Look for our Paracast fan club. We have two of them, by the way, and one day we'll figure out how to integrate them if it's possible. Also on Twitter, we are The Paracast, or check our web portal with our forums and everything, theparacast.com. Stan Gordon, thank you very much for joining us this week on The Paracast. Thanks for having me, fellas. Appreciated it. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.